We begin the current daf. Sachtes Babakama daf peiches. Begin on the fourth line down with the top of the Yomid. But the Gemara continues explaining our, our previous Mishnah, which continues on the theme of this parak parak achayvul. Talks about the halachas of when one person injures another person, which is generally five liabilities of nezik tzar reaper shabbos and boishes. So the Mishnah said achayvul be'ebed kenani shalacherim. If someone injures the non-Jewish slave of another Jew, so chayev v'chulu he's liable for all the different five types of penalties that he has to give to that slave's owner. But Rabbi Huda, he disagreed on one aspect. He said that there's no baishas, there's no embarrassment for Nebuchadnezzar Kenani. That there's no liability of payment. So the Gemara my time with Rabbi Huda. What's the reason Rabbi Huda? Why would there be an Evid be any different? He's a human being. Why wouldn't there be any payment of baishas to the owner of the Evid Kenani? So the Gemara says, Amakra, he based on the Gzezakaz and the Pasik, the Pasik Dvarim that talks about this Allah of Busha of the payment for humiliation. It says, when there's going to be men that are fighting together, the man and his brother. That's where the Pasuk concludes that the wife of one of them sticks up for him, she stretches out her hand, and she grabs a hold of him in this embarrassing place of that male, so then she, ha- she has to go ahead and pay for that amount of embarrassment. Now, but one thing we see from the Pasuk is, it says, the man and his brother. It's b'mishi achva. That's only that the liability of Busha is for someone that it's his brother. That excludes a slave, an Evid Kanani, that doesn't have brotherhood with a Jewish person because he's not Baba Kol, he can't marry into the Jewish people. So therefore, that's why the halach of Busha doesn't apply to an Evid Kanani. Now, the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan who disagree, Achav who b'mitzis, he is considered a brother to the Jewish people in the halacha of being liable for mitzis. And that is because any mitzis that a woman is obligated in, so too is an Evid Chayven. Because we learn that Xer Shavit, we use the word la by a shifcha and la by an isha, just like an isha is chayev and mitzis, so too, whichever mitzis that a woman is obligated, and so too is an effort, so he is considered achiv, and therefore there is busha, according to Rabbanan. Now, based on their interpretations about is an evit considered achiv or not, the Gemara asks different questions on either one of those opinions. Ask the Gemara, but if that's the case, according to Behuda, that again he considers it Evid not Achiv, that's why he's not in the Halacha of Ishva Achiv, of the Halacha of Busha. So then, so regarding witnesses that were trying to prosecute in, his, in testimony regarding Mises Bezdin, to have someone executed with, to an Evid. Turns out that the witnesses were Zaymin, they were lying, and actually other witnesses said, How could you have said that you were with us at that time? Lo Yaroigu, those Adam Zaymin should not be killed themselves. Whereas, although generally, whatever the witnesses tried doing to the defendant, and it turns out they were lying, that's what happened to them. So if they tried prosecuting and executing an Evid, they sh- and they turned out to be Zaymin, they should not get executed. Why? Because the Pasuk in the Varm says, You should do to him, meaning to the witnesses, like they plotted to do to their brother. And you just said that an Evid is not considered Achiv. Yet, the question is, why is it that we say in the Bryson, Sechtas Makas of Chesim Abayz, that a Jewish person does get lashes, does go into exile, because of a slave. And therefore we see that the, a slave has the same halachic status as a Jewish person regarding the halacha of Mises Bazin. So why is it that they become Edom Zaymin if we're saying the halach of Zaymin is only la'achiv and you said a Nebuchadnezzar is not achiv? 
So Amr Rav, Amr Rav he says, you're right. Generally, an Eved, Kenani, is not included in Achiv. But Amr Kra, there the Pasuk in Hazama, ends off by saying, that you should get rid of the evil from within your midst, which tells you, in all situations, meaning it's a reboot to say, although Achiv really should exclude Eved, Kenani, but this general statement at the end is including even Eved, Kenani, if they tried doing Hazama to the Eved, Kenani, now that they're Huzam, they, have, they do get executed. They do get the same things as if it was for a regular Jewish person. Now the Gemara asks on the other opinion. Elimiata, but if that's the case, Lerabban, according to Rabbanan, that they qualify in Evid is considered Achiv. That's where the whole that Evid does have Busha, meaning the halachic payment of Baishas, then Evid Yekash Lamalchas. Then although it used the term when you're appointing a king amongst the Jewish people, he has to be Achiv from the brothers, but an Evid should be kosher to become a king because he is Achiv. So I mean, they said, wait a second. Well, Tamech, according to your reasoning that you're asking, seemingly an Evid should be kosher to be a Melech, then you should ask regarding a convert who, who is better than the Evid, where his birth and even his conception was in Kedusha, then according to everyone, meaning even according to Rabbi Huda, who holds that an Evid has Achva, that, 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 even according to Rabbi Huda, that an Evid doesn't have brotherhood, but an Ager most definitely is considered a Jewish person, he's like a regular Jew as any other person, and yet he is possible to be a king, even possible to be some type of a governor. Only if his mother is Jewish. But if both of them are not, then as the Gemara says themselves, that he's not kosher to be a melch or to be a governor. Now, so what's the understanding? Why, you're asking an Evid. You want to point out a question of Kontraban and why is an Evid kosher to be if he's considered Achim? I'll ask you better. Why isn't a Ger kosher to be a melch? I'll tell you the reason why. And that's what that will answer your question by regarding Evid. Because the Pasuk says, Nevar mikerevachicha. It doesn't just say you have to pick a brother to be king. It means from amongst the midst of your brothers, which tells you, from the choicest of your brothers. Meaning, yes, an Evid Kanani, a Ger is considered achicha, but they're not mikerevachicha. They're not the higher status of the, of, the, of the brotherhood. And that's why they can't be a king. And that answers the question, although an Evid Kanani is achicha, he still cannot be a king. I think one continues asking. Elamiyat, if that's the case, the way we're qualifying, polarizing these interpretations of achicha, if it's including an evid or not, then the Rabban, according to Rabban, who say achicha includes an evid kanani, yehei evid kashala edus. So an evid kanani, a non-Jewish slave, should be kosher to say testimony in the court of law. Because the it says the pasuk in Devarim, it says vehine, and behold, eid sheka hoed, false testimony, he has testified, sheka on the ba'achiv, he has, he has testified falsely regarding his brother. Well, that's what the Pasuk is talking about, a specific halacha over there regarding false testimony. But one thing we see that regarding testimony, it used the words achiv. So achiv could say edus. Now you said that an evid kenani is considered achiv. So why isn't evid kenani kosher to say edus? So Ula Ula says that you're right. Achiv usually includes evid kenani. But edus le metzisa amrit. You cannot say regarding halachas of testimony, because even if you would not disqualify an Evid Kanani because of a chicha, you're right, he is considered Achib, your brother. But Asi Eidus B'Kavachem Me'isha. We can learn at Kavachemer that an Evid Kanani is possible to Eidus from the invalidation of a woman. Because Uma Isha, because if we find regarding a woman, a regular Jewish woman, she's fit to enter into the congregation, into the assembly of the Jewish people. She's allowed to marry into the Jewish people. Yet, yet she's invalid to say testimony in the court of law. Because as it says in the by Edom Zayim, the Pasik says, that the two people stand up. Now the Bryson tells him, that the Pasik there is Toma testimony, which sounds like, 
Anoshim, men, Anoshim, and not women. So if women that are kosher love of are pasal edus, so eved she ain't a royal love of so a slave who is not fitting to marry into the Jewish people, he can't marry a regular Jewish woman. Ain't the din she pasal edus isn't a kavul chemin that's going to be pasal for edus, and therefore it's not a question why they're not kosher edus. Yes, they consider achiv, but his kavul chemin from isha can be pasal for edus. Now the Gemara asks on this kavul chemin. Wait a second. Malaisha, how could you compare that an Evid Kanani for sure would not be Kashav Aidas from a woman? By a woman, maybe she can in the Ruy Lamila. Maybe a woman's not fit for testimony because she has lower level status, because she's not fit to have circumcision. How can you say maybe a slave that's fit to have circumcision should be considered someone that's viable to give testimony? Why are you saying that he's not fit to say testimony? It's not a Kabuchemah from Isha. Isha on some level is lower because she can't have Mila. Says the Gemara, not cutting here. Cutting will disprove that component. Sheyeshnemibmila, he could, he has circumcision. Will postulateis, and he's still possible for testimony. Now, a minor that's invalid for testimony is learned that also from this passage. It says anoshim, which also besides saying and not women would also be and not minors. Moreover, Rashi says, for another reason, a cotton cannot say testimony, because his edus would be a edus she'i they cannot be having hazama, because a minor doesn't get punished. So, if you're saying testimony regarding him, what he had done, that's not a testimony that could, I meaning if the minor would be saying testimony regarding someone else, so that would not be able to go back and have, make him become Husim because he wouldn't get prosecuted for what he's trying to prosecute because a minor cannot be prosecuted. So that actually invalidates his testimony in and of itself. So for two reasons, a minor can't have Aedus. So don't tell me that the reason why a woman maybe can't say Aedus is because she's not really Lamila and therefore maybe Ebit should be able to. It's not true because a minor has Mila and still can't say testimony. But then the Gemara asked, wait a second, Babala cut and chain of Mimitzis. How can I learn of a minor which would invalidate the slave but maybe minor because he's not obligated mitzvahs yet. He's not par mitzvah. But maybe a slave that is obligated mitzvahs, as we said, like a woman, so too is an ever machoy even those type of mitzvahs, maybe he should be able to say testimony. On that the Gemara says, well, a woman disproves that. Because she does, she is obligated mitzvahs, just like an Ebed Kenani, yet she's invalid for Edith. So therefore the Gemara says, So the logic goes back. Each one of the characteristics of a minor and a woman are not the same. But and neither is this one like that one. What's the common denominator that we find by both Isha and Cotton? That they're not obligated in all of the mitzvahs. Now, but they are obligated in some of the mitzvahs, because a woman is in negative prohibitions and penalties. And a minor is obligated in the mitzvah of circumcision. And yet, so they're not, they're not in all the mitzvahs. A woman's not obligated to such as Magarama, they're not all the mitzvahs. Upsun and, and they're invalid to say testimony. So after the Eve, Esa Eve, Shain Bukhala Mitzvah, so Pasla, they're learning from the Kabochemer, so to all include a slave, which is also not obligated in all the mitzvahs like a woman, and therefore would be invalid to say testimony. And even, even though that, wait a second, a woman maybe is not allowed to because she doesn't have Mila, but the minor has and still doesn't say. And on the Mila, the minor doesn't have mo- most of the mitzvahs. Yeah, but a woman does and she still doesn't. So from that common denominator, you could learn that it ever would be the same halacha. But still the Gemara asks, wait a second. Even according to the, what's, you find the common denominator between the two of them, she can in ish. Both a woman and the minor are not ish. Ish is a, an adult male. And therefore, since they're not ish, so you cannot apply what the Pasuk says, the two men. So yeah, of course that's why they can't say testimony. What are you going to say? An evid, a, a, a slave, but is an adult male, 
he could qualify for Amdush Nehem Maybe he should be allowed to say testimony, especially since you say Kodrabbanan, that he is considered Achiv, which the Torah, when it talks about testimony, says Achiv. So the Gemara says, right, Elo Tesem Rather, the way we know that Ebi Kanani is not vowed to say testimony, we learn it out from a robber, where a robber is fit to marry into the Kila, he's a regular Jewish man, but he's possible to say testimony, as the Pasuk says, which tells us that a Russia of Hamas, of thievery, cannot be an aid, cannot say testimony. So too, you learn that the same thing regarding a Kabochimer to an Evid Kanani. Now, that thing we ask, wait a second, Mala Gazlan, what are you finding from a, from a robber? Shekin of Garmuloi. Yeah, he can't say testimony, even though maybe you're saying he's a greater level of status of saying testimony than a slave, because he's Rola Lakal, and still he can't say for sure in Ebikinani. But wait a second. A Gazan, his actions, his negative actions, have caused him the inability of saying testimony, because he steals. That's why the Torah says he can't say testimony. Taiba Be'evid, how are you going to say, but regarding a slave, Shein Maisim Garmuloi, that his status, his lower status, not because something bad that he did, maybe he should be allowed to say testimony. So rather, Elad the Gemara concludes, Tesla Megazlan Umechad Mahanach. Rather, we learn it out from, the, from a Tzad HaShava, Mahatzad, from a, a robber and one of those two, meaning the woman or the minor, where the common denominator between them would be that they're not careful in all the mitzvahs. One of them is because of his wickedness, that's the Gazlan. One of them is because they're not commanded in it, which is the minor and the woman. But they're not Zahir in all the mitzvahs. That would tell us a common denominator between the two of them which would apply to an Evid, Kanani, who's also not Mechoyib in all the mitzvahs, like a woman or a minor. And together, where although, but still that common denominator had a problem because they're not Ish, well then we could show that from Gazan, who is an Ish, and still cannot say testimony. And although Gazan has the problem, because my of Gremola, but the woman and the, Evid, and, the, and the minor who don't have that problem, that common denominator will show, share all the characteristics that Evid, Kanani has, and just like they can't say testimony, so too he cannot say testimony. That's one resolution for although the Rabban hold Achib includes Evi Kanani and Eidu says Achib, why can't he say testimony? Another interpretation, Mabar Eidu Avinu he says a different source, Amakra. The Pasuk says in Nevarim, Leyumsu Aves Albanan, which literally translated as that the father should not die on the sons. And then the Pasuk continues that Leyumsu, that Ubanim Leyumsu Aves, that sons should not die on their fathers. Rather, Ishpecheta Yumasu, Every man dies in his own sin. That's a little translation. But says the Gemara that what the Pasuk really means to say is, that a person should not die as a defendant based on the testimony of fathers that don't have any relationship to their children. In other words, that, that who does that include? That includes a, a slave where they don't have any relationships to their sons. There is no yichus between them, so there's no ancestry from a father to a son. Now, the Gemara explains, because the Isa if you would entertain to say that really this Pasuk is only coming to tell us, like we say, that it's coming to invalidate relatives, meaning, the way the Gemara Sanhedrin explains this Pasuk is, what does it mean that, that fathers shouldn't die on sons? It means It means that the father should not be able to be killed through the testimony of his son. That's what the Gemara there explains it, that it's coming to invalidate the testimony of relatives. On that, says Mabarid Ravina, if that's all the Pasuk is coming to say, and not like what I'm trying to give this drash, this, um, this interpretation of the Pasuk, which is 
saying that it means layumsu, a person, based on the testimony of an ovis that don't have relationships to their banim, which really is a reference to a slave, which is coming to exclude uh, the testimony of an evet. But then, if it's only coming to say, like the Gemara there says, then the Torah should have written that the father should not die based on the testimony of their sons. My banim. Why does it say, why does it change it to the generic term of sons, not their sons? Shema Minah, obviously it's coming to teach us two halachas. Besides the, the, the basic, more simple translation of what the Pasuk is coming to say, like the Gemara Sanhedrin says, that the, that the, the testimony of relatives is not valid. And so it's coming to teach us, the Yumsu Api It's coming to tell a more general context, which is that, in general, sons, what do sons have to do with fathers? Meaning that the fathers have no relationship to their sons, which is what an Evid is. An Evid doesn't have, doesn't follow the paternity of the father. There's no relationship between them. That's coming to say that they are, cannot kill other people. Their testimony is not valid in the court of law. That's the second source for this halacha. Now, however, the Gemara asked Elamiyata, but if that's the interpretation, like the way Mabir Bridavina said in this Pasik, then look at the next words in the Pasik. It says in the little translation is that sons should not die on the fathers. Now, the way the Gemara Sanhedrin says it is okay. It's saying both ways the relatives don't work. That sons cannot kill their fathers and fathers cannot kill their sons. The testimony doesn't work on court of law. But the way the drash of Mabri Dervina was, are you going to say the same thing here too? that people cannot get killed based on the testimony of sons, that they don't have relationships to their fathers, meaning the other way around. But if that's the case, Ger, a convert, is invalid to say testimony. That's what really comes out. The first version was that the father has no relationship to his son. That's an Evid. When the Evid has a child, it doesn't go after the paternity, it takes after the mother. Now, the reverse who is a son that doesn't have a relationship to his father? That's a ger. A ger is cut and chanel them. It's like he was just born. He's not related to his father. So seemingly, the, that, the, the pasuk that's saying it in the other way would be invalidating a ger. But that's not true. We know a ger is kashalahayin. But according to his interpretation, that's what uh, logically the sequence is in the next part of the pasuk. So Amadi said, no. Hachi hashter, can you compare the two? Ger, regarding a convert. Although he doesn't have relationships with going upward, meaning from his father down to him. That's because as the Pasuk says elsewhere in, in Malachim Beis, it says, Vezirmas susim ziramta, meaning basically like horses, like animals, don't have paternity. Now, although Rashi says there are Pesukim that tell us Baladan ben Baladan, which seem to be creating a yichus between the child and the father, that's only when they're non-Jewish. But when the child converts... Then there's no yichus for him to his father, as the Gemara says in Yivamastav Samach Beis Amet Alf. So although Ger doesn't have any relation to his father upward, but Lamata Yeshlechias, but downward, meaning his son is called based on his name. He's Jewish, his son's going to take after him. Now, Lafuke, but that excludes an Evet, a slave, a non Jewish slave. The Enlechias has no relationship, Loy Lamalav, Loy Lamata. He's not related to his father, and neither is he related to his son. Now, therefore, What's, what's critical saying the Gemara is that they're very different. The Ger at least has relationship to his son. Now, moreover, as the Gemara concludes, if you would entertain, then therefore, based on your questioning, to say that a Ger convert would be invalid to say testimony, in other words, that you would expound, just like al Avis, you would say the same thing, Al-Banim, meaning that they have no relationship of, to their father, 
So then the question would be, why did the Pasuk have to change from the specific to the general by both parts of the Pasuk? In other words, Lichta Rahman, the Torah should have written in the first half of the Pasuk, Layumsu Avis al that fathers should not die based on the testimony of their sons, like we say in Sanhedrin, which is to come in to invalidate the testimony of relatives, which would tell us, that they cannot die based on the testimony of their own sons. Now, then the Torah then should have written at the end of the Pasuk and changed it over there, and there it should have written it in the generic, in the general, that sons should not die based on the fathers, where then, as we said, because of the change, the shaman minotarti. Then it would teach us these two halachas from the fact that it wouldn't say al avoisehem on their fathers, but rather al avois. That would then teach us two things. Chada, it would tell us one which is the more simple halacha that sons cannot die based on the testimony of their fathers. Now, ve'idach, then the other halacha that it would be teaching us, because it doesn't say avoisehem, just avis, would tell us that you cannot. A person in court cannot die based on the al pibonim on the testimony of sons she'enlam chiyas avos who don't have relations to their fathers. Who would that mean? That would mean a ger, a convert. So that would tell us that a ger is pasul edus. And then, if I would have the end of the pasuk teach me that halacha, so the evid, then I would know regarding a slave that nafkele bekavochayim ger. Then a kavochayim ra would know that an evid cannot use pasul to say testimony because that's what we just pointed out previously. Umager because if regarding a convert. It's only above to his father that he has no relationship. But below to his son, he has relationships. His son will be Jewish because he's Jewish. Meaning he'll be exactly, he'll take after the father, his inheritance, everything after the father. Meaning that Jewish actually goes after the mother. But he has relationships and still possible aid. This is valid for testimony. Regarding a slave who has no relationships upward and downward, isn't it a that he should be invalid to say testimony? Now, so therefore, that would be a question. So why does the beginning of the Pasuk say, Banim and not Benehem? Because I don't need to teach you the Psul of Ebed Kenani. I know the end of the Pasuk of Avis is teaching you the Psul of Ager. And if a ger is possible, it is a shabbat kanani. Ella rather explains the Gemara, but the Kazarachmanda, for the fact that the Torah did write, it didn't say b'neihim, it said banim, demashma, which that infers, first of all, that lo yumsu api avis meaning besides the basic halacha of that a father cannot be killed based on the testimony of a son, it's also teaching that a person cannot be killed based on the testimony of a father that has no, no relationship to his son, which is the source of invalidating an Eved, a slave. So Shemami Noah, what you could infer from the Pasuk is, Eved, regarding a slave, She'ein lechiyas le'lamatav, le'lamatav hu de'pasal edis, an Eved is possible for edis. Avager, but by a convert, kibin de'yesh lechiyas le'lamatav, since he does have relationships downward, meaning in the future, so kash le'edis. He is going to be kash of a testimony, because here there is no kavochemer this way. Kavochemer would be only from Eged to Eved Kenani. Eved Kenani's soul, he's lower down, because he has no relationships, he would not be a kabochemer to a ger. So therefore, the fact that the Torah has to tell me a psul and evid must be that only evid is possible and not a ger. Because if a ger was possible, I wouldn't need the Torah to tell us regarding evid. Now, if you're going to say, well then, so how do we, why do we, how do we understand the end of the Pasuk? Why does it, it should say that, that sons should not die based on the testimony of their fathers? Lomali the Katsar Rahmanda said, then why does the Torah say it here in the generic general way of Avanim Layumsu al that sons are not 
again, which the mashma again, as we explained, what that sounds like is that's another's the other person cannot be killed based on people that don't have relationships with their fathers, which are gerim, and you're telling me a gerim are crushed to say edus. So that the Gemara answers, I did the custom since we had to say the first half of the pasuk, as we said in that form of generic of banim, not benayim, because we needed to teach you two halachas. Besides that, a father cannot be executed based on the testimony of his son. It's coming to teach us halacha of of adim that are fathers that have no relationships to their sons. Who that's a reference to an evid. So kasam nami uvanim layum So symmetrically, the pasuk ended off in the same format, to say that and sons don't get killed al-Ovis and al-Avisem, really should have said al-Avisem because we're not excluding Ger, and because if we were, we wouldn't need the first half of the Pasuk to exclude Abikanami, and again, it's only teaching us regarding the of Kraivim of Psul Edus for Kraivim, but it just kept the same format as it did at the beginning of the Pasuk, and therefore that was the second answer in the Gemara, regarding the question that according to Rabban and that hold, that uh, Evid is included in Achib and the Pasuk by Edis talks about Achib, why is an Evid Kanani not Kosh of Edis? Either, as we learned it from a Mahatzad, from from Gazlan, and either Isha and Cotton, or as Mabari Darvina told it from this Pasuk of Layumsu Abbas Abanim, which is excluding Evid Kanani, and we explained that although the second half of the Pasuk would sound like Gary, cannot be talking about that, because then you wouldn't need the limit of Kanani, and rather it just kept the same format of the first half of the Pasuk, and says Layumsu Uvan Layumsu Al Avis. Nothing more continues the halacha of the Mishnah. Again, continuing halacha of chavala of when there's a fight or an injury between two people, so that there's usually chamisha dvarim. And that the Mishnah said chereshayt of a cotton regarding a deaf mute, uh, mentally deranged, and a minor pigiasin ra. An encounter with them is 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 unhelpful. Meaning it's 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 a bad interaction because. If you injure them, you're going to be liable. If they injure you, they're exempt. They don't have dash. There's no liability for them, so it's a bad interaction. So the Gemara brings a story related to this regarding this topic. So the mother of Rav Shmuel Bar Abba from Agrunya, was married to Rav Abba. And the Gemara is going to go through this whole story and the halachic implications, and then it's going to bring it back to this topic of, of our Mishnah. So she was married to Rav Abba. So she wrote over her niximalug, which are properties owned by the woman, but the paris, the utility, is meshubed to the husband, in contrast to nixit sambarzal, which is totally taken over by the husband for the time being of the marriage. Niximalug she owns, the principal is hers, but the husband gets to use the, the paris. Now, her, her son, Rashmul Baraba, from a previous marriage, she, she, when she was married, after, after she was married to, to Rebaba, she during the marriage, she wrote over all her properties to Rav Shmuel Bar Abba Barat, to her son, Rav Shmuel Bar Abba. Now, Basa the Shkiva, after she passed away, as we the Gemara continues on the base, also Rav Shmuel Bar Abba Kamid Rabbi Yemir Bar Abba, so Rav Shmuel Bar Abba, her son, who his mother had written over all her nixi milug to him, went in front of Rabbi Yemir Bar Abba, the Rav, to, to get a psak. And Ukmi he, he put him onto the property. He said, Your mother wrote over to you. You're the you're the you're the heir. You're you're gonna you're gonna get it. Now Azra Ba'aba, so but her husband, Rabba'aba, Amrullah he said over what happened, what Rabbi Rabba had paskined and had given over his wife's Nirsimalog to to his to her son, and not him, the husband, he said this over in front of Haishia. So Azra Faishia, Amr Kamid Rabihuda, he went and he said over in front of Yehuda. So Amalais, Rabbi Huda said, this is what Shmuel said, this case, 
if a woman sells her nichsei melug, these types of properties that she owns, but the husband uses the utility, if she sells it when her husband is alive, which is what was in this case, where she didn't sell it, but she gave it over, which is essentially the same thing to her son, and then she dies, the husband could go ahead and remove it from the hands of the purchasers. The reason being, as Igmar will, will elaborate this on later on, is because the husband inherits his wife, and he was the first purchaser. He was the first one. When he married her, he essentially was purchasing her properties. Now, although during the marriage, she, she's, the one that, she's the one that has the principal, and he only has the payers, but when she passed away, he's going to inherit her. And therefore, when she passed away, although she sold it after they were married, during the marriage, that person who purchased was already after him. He's the first Akeach. He gets it first. And therefore, he's supposed to get it, and not her son, Rav Shmuel Barabba. Now, Amru Kamid Rabbi Rabbi. So they went and told over what Rav Yehuda had said, in the name of Shmuel, that not like the way he paskin, that it shouldn't go to the son, it should go to the husband. So Amal he said to them, look, He says, I know a Tanoic teaching. I, you know, you're saying over halacha from Shmuel, I'll tell you a Mishnah, and which will prove my halacha, it's not like the Mishnah in Baba Basra. Someone writes over his properties to his son for after that he dies. What's called It's starting from today, but it should take effect after I die. What does that mean? The principle, he's giving over to his son right away. He's writing over the deed. It's the son's right now. But the father wants to eat the produce, meaning to be able to use it for himself until he dies. Says the Mishnah, two things. Haben in The son cannot sell it. It's still in the, the domain of the father. Although he gave over the principle to the son, but for all practical purposes, all the utility is still owned by the father. Now the father cannot sell it. Because he really gave over the ownership rights to the son. So he cannot sell it. But says the Mishnah, let's say macharav. Let's say the father does sell it. So So it's only sold until he dies. Meaning, the one who bought it from him can eat the payers until the father dies. But when the father dies, the son could go and remove it from the Lekeach because the principal was already his before that person had bought it. So it was already the son's right. He cannot buy it. Now, the father was able to use the payers. So that's what he sold to the consumer. Machraben, let's say the son sold it. So then the consumer has no rights to it until the father dies. Because as long as the father's still alive, what, you bought it from the son, but the son only has the, the rights to it, the, the deed, the principle, but the utility of it, the father says, is still mine. So you can't get anything of it until the father passed away. Now, but one thing says, But one thing that we see is, but when the father does die, then then the, the one who, who's, who bought it from the son does get the rights to the field. Now, more the Gemara points out, now, even if the son would die when the father is still alive, that it never even came to the son. The father gave over the rights to the son. The son really doesn't get it for all practical purposes until the father passes away. Now, when the father was still alive and the son was still alive, after the father already wrote over to the son, he sold it to someone else. Says the Gemara, that even if the son never ends up, the, the father, the son never ends up getting it from the father because he dies before the father dies. Still, the one who purchased from him when the father passed away will get that field. Why? That he says, it doesn't make a difference. Even if the son dies when the father is still alive, where it never even comes to the son in the first place. 
and Loishno, it doesn't make a difference, Mesa Av Ben, or if the father dies when the son is still alive, the also they Ben that the son ultimately gets it. Either way, says Rishlakish, Kan Lekech. The purchaser from the son acquires it after the death of the father. Ditma, like we learned, it's actually Machlaikis. Machra Ben Av. If the son sells it when the father is still alive, now, Umesa ben Mechayav, and the, actually the son dies before the father even dies. Rabbi Yechanan, he says the purchaser from the son has not acquired it. Rabbi says, no, the, the purchaser has acquired it. Now, the Gemara explains. Rabbi he says the consumer has not acquired it. Why? Amalachi would tell you as follows. When did we learn this halacha in the Mishnah Baba Basra? That machra ben that we said if the son sells it, we said that the consumer from the son has not acquired it until the father dies. That's what the Mishnah says. Now the inference we had obviously was, but when the father does die, then the consumer gets it. Now explains Rabbi Eichanan that was delay mesha ben That's if the son doesn't die when the father's still alive because the asl de haben. And it at least ultimately comes to the hand of the son. Now, moreover, as the Gemara explains elsewhere, where the Gemara previously had said this on the Fchasim now whatever the first person sells to the second one is what's called kalschushetabliyadu, whatever rights come to his hand. So since ultimately it's going to come to the son, so that's what he sold to the Lekech. So then the Lekech gets it instead of him. But if the son died while the father is still alive, where it doesn't even come to the hands of the son, so when the father dies, the lekech does not get it. Because what's he getting? The, the, the son can only sell you what he has. He never had it. Because he only gets it when the father died. So therefore says, if he died when the father is still alive, the lekech will not get it. Now one thing says the Gemara is Alma that we see, that Rabbi Yechon holds, Kenyan Paris. This utility, which was the acquisition of the father. I mean, the father rode over the whole thing to his son. But the Paris, the utility, was still by the father. That Kenya of Paris, obviously, Rabbi Yechon holds, is Kikinya Guftami. It's like the ownership of the actual property itself. Therefore, Bechizavan, when the son sold it, Lavidezavan, he wasn't selling his own property. He had no rights, although the although the the goof of the pay, the goof of the karka, the actual was given over to him. But for halachic purposes, we view the Kenyan Paris as kikinya goof because okay, you you own it, therefore what you can't use it. The utility is essentially in halacha, says the Gemara that Yubichan obviously holds is kikinya goof. Therefore, essentially, we view the father as the owner, and therefore the son never owned it, and therefore he was never able to sell it. And since he passed away, we're never getting it. He never sold anything to the consumer. That's why the Consumer doesn't get it after the son passed away while the father is still alive. That's Rabbi Yechonin's opinion. Pshim Melakish he says, no, kan lekech. The, the lekech acquires it in such a case. Why? Because when the Mishnah teaches us that when the son sells, that the consumer doesn't get, and the Gemara goes through the whole thing again, quoting from the Mishnah and explaining it, that the consumer doesn't get anything until the father dies if he bought from the son. But as we inferred, Kimayas Av Mias, but when the father does die ultimately, then Isle Lekech, then Lekech does get it. Says Rishlakish, Leishno doesn't make a difference. Loy Mesa Ben Bechayav. If the son didn't die while the father was still alive, well, the Asl did Ben were there. Everyone agrees because it came to the, son, the hands of the son that then he acquires it. But moreover, says Rishlakish, Leishno doesn't make a difference even Mesa Ben Bechayav. Even if the son died while the father was still alive, to lay us the day the ben, that it didn't even come to the hands of the son, that kan lekech, that lekech does acquire it. Says the Gemara Alma, what we see from Rishlakish is, kesavar, Kenyan Paris, that he holds that the Kenyan of the Paris, the utility that the father had, 
It's not like the ownership of the body itself. Therefore, when the son sold what he had, which was the actual nachasim, the guf and them, he was selling his own thing. He had it already then. Because although he didn't have the parish, that's not the Kenya Guf. Kenya Guf is the actual Guf itself, and that he had, and therefore he already had it even when the father was still alive, and therefore it is considered sold. It's just that the Lekech can't get it for all practical purposes until the father passed away, that there's no more Kenya pairs, and then he could go ahead and take the field and use it. So that's the Machlekes Rishlakish and Yechna. Now explains the Gemara, Vanan Hashta. Now, us now, Bain Yerbimir Ba'aba, both according to Yerbimir Ba'aba, who was saying one Psak, Bain Yerbihuda, and both Yerbihuda were saying the other Psak. Rabbi Rabbi was saying it should go to the son. Rabbi Huda was saying it should go to the husband, Rabbi. Either way, explains the Gemara, we hold like a Rishlakish in this Machlekes because there's three areas in Alacha in regards to all the Machlekes in Rishlakish and Rishlakish and that we pass like Rishlakish. One of them is this Sugi over here. And the other two are discussed that the Gemara in Yivam and Staflam and Alpha explains there's, uh, there's two other places too. Now, explains the Gemara, and this is what Vakam Rebibar Abba. This is what Rebibar Abba was trying to point out from this Mishnah Baba Vasra. Again, based on the halachic interpretation of Rishlakish, because we pass him like Rishlakish in this Machlekis that he has to in this Mishnah as follows. If you would entertain to say, that the acquisition of Paris is like the acquisition of the body that's, like, that's considered the one who owns it. So, when the father passes away, and the son died while the father was still alive. Then why does the lekeach who bought it from the son get it? When the son sold it to him, he wasn't selling him anything, as we just pointed out this logic just before. The father had the king in Paris. The son never got anything. He died before his father passed away. And therefore, if king in Paris didn't give dummy, the son didn't sell anything. Why would the lekeach get it after the father passed away? Elalav rather must be, and this is how we just explained the Kornish Lakish, who we're going like in this interpretation. Shmamino, you can infer that Kenyan Peiris, that these, and we're going to address it to the case we're discussing over here that they were discussing, that these Nixi Milug, which are when she's married to her husband, the Kenyan Peiris belongs to her husband. As we explained, Nixi Milug are the property that she owns, all the utility, the rights go to the husband. But those Kenyan Paris are love Kigunyaguf Dami. It's not like the ownership of the body itself. Therefore, when during her marriage to her husband Rababa, when she gifted it to her son Rav Shmuel Baraba, that gift was a valid gift. Because even though she gifted it and she died while her husband was still alive, it doesn't make a difference because the Kenyan Paris that he had is not Kikinyaguf Dami. As we just proved from Shlokish and the Mishnah Baba Basra, if that's the case, she had the Kenya Guf. So she was able to, she had the rights then to give it over to her son. So I can prove to you from this Mishnah Baba Basra that the Psach that I said is correct and that the son should get it because the mother was allowed to gift it even though the Kenya Paris was for her husband. Now, Ahadru Lekamed they went back with this response from Rebim Rebbe and said over in front of Yehuda. So he said to them, this is what Shmuel said. This, like the story that, that was happening over here, that was unfolding with Shmuel Rebbe, is not comparable to our Mishnah in Baba Vasa. So they can rest my time, what's the reason? Similarly, Rebim Rebbe was bringing a good proof from the Mishnah. You see, Kenya Paris is is lavka guf dami. So then the mother had all the rights in her nifsim lug to gift it because she had the guf to her son. So what's the reason? So Amr Yisuf says, well, I'll tell you. If the Mishnah would say in the reverse, what's the reverse case? The Mishnah they were talking about 
We have someone writes over the properties to his son. But Revisa says, if it would be the other way around, where if someone writes, a wealthy son, writes off all his assets to his father for after when he dies. Now, the story would be then in the reverse. That if the father sells it while the son is still alive, and then the father dies before his son does. Now, if in regard to that, Halacha Rish Lakush would tell us that the Lekiach would acquire it, again, like the case of the Mishnah over there, but in the reverse. Not a father to a son, but a son running to the father. And the same thing within the father who had the Kinyi HaGuf, but not the Kinyi Paris yet, would sell it to someone else, and then he dies before the son dies. And then the Halacha of the Mishnah would be true, that Lekiach would still get it. Then, in such a case, then you'd be able to resolve, as Rabbi Yimriyab is trying to do, that Minei from this, that the Kinyi Paris, that the acquisition of the Paris, meaning, which what the son still hold on to, because until he dies, he says, I'm not giving to my father everything, I want to still be able to have the utility of it. Then you'd be able to prove that Lafka Kinyi Dami, that that would not be like he owns the thing itself. Why? Because we'd be proving that the father who had sold it, and even died before his son died, that his sale is a valid sale, must be that that transaction is valid, was because his son, who is still holding on to the king of Paris, is not like king of Guf. So the father had the king of Guf, he was able to sell it already. That's if it would be in that version. But says of Yesu Hashto, but now the Gitani that we learned, the Mishnah Baba Basa, the way it says it over there, that if someone writes over all his assets to his son, where again, but he still wants to hold on to the king of Paris, and the son sells it and he dies when the father's still alive, where we say there in the Mishnah that Lekech acquires it after the father's death, even though it never came to the hands of the son, and that says Rav Yesu, that's Mishum Dero Leyershehu, that's because the son is anyway fit to inherit his father. In other words, says Rav Yesu, I could tell you that although in general, that the king in Paris, let's say in this case of the father, I could actually tell you is Kikinya Guftami. Actually would be like owning the thing itself. Which would thus disprove the whole proof that Rabbi is trying to say that oh, must be Kinyan Paris love Kinyan Guftami and therefore the, the husband Rabbi didn't have the ownership of the body and therefore the mother was able to give it over to her son. So Rabbi said no. Really I could tell you Kinyan Paris is Kikinya Guftami. Now, so how do we understand this case over here? Then why is it that if the father has the Kinyan Paris and which is like Kinyan Guf, how could the sale of the son be valid if he died before it ever came to him? Uh, that says of Yasef, no. In this case, it must be that the father was acquiring to the son the, the actual Kinyan in the thing to be able to sell it if he wants to. Why? Because if the only thing he was giving to his son essentially would be only after he dies, what does he have to give it to him after he dies? Anyways, the son's going to inherit it after he dies. What's he giving to him right now? must be he's giving them something that has validity of being able to do something with it, which is to sell it, although he's holding on to the Kenya Paris. Therefore, although I could tell you Kenya Paris is Kikinya Govdami, in this case, it's not Kikinya Govdami, and this is the exception to the rule, this Mishnah Baba Basa, because why else is he writing it over to his son? And there wouldn't be a proof to this case of Rav Shmuel Bar Abba. There we would say that Kenya Paris is, 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 is Kikinya Govdami, and therefore it would go to the husband of Abba and not to the son, because the husband's rights of Kenya Paris is, does not have any rights left over for his wife. Now, this answer of Rav Yasef, to explain this halach of Shmuel, which is not like a Rebbe Abba, on that Amal Yabai, Abai asked to Rav Yasef, I don't understand. Atu bro yaris Abba? I don't understand your logic. What, you think a son inherits a father and Abba le yaris bra, and the father does not inherit a son? In other words, what he's trying to say is, even if we had learned it in the opposite way, 
like you had mentioned, that you said, oh, the other way would be a right to Rabbi Yimbrah. But the way it says, it's not. And that's what Shmuel is saying. And this is a by why. Even if it would be the other way around, still you would say that the reason is that it must be that the, the reason why it's, the halacha is that Kanalikach is because he's fit to inherit him. In other words, it's the same thing. You're saying that when the father writes over to the son, that that's the exception to the rule. Meaning, generally, you'll say, Kinya Peres is Kikinya Guf Dami, and generally, the one who gets the Guf and not the Peres cannot do anything with it. But in this case, the son could do something with it because that's the exception to the rule. Because why else is he giving it over to him? When he dies, anyways, you can inherit when he dies. But that's the same thing in the reverse, too. When the son dies, the, who's going to inherit it? His father's going to inherit it. Now, if the father's going to inherit it anyway, what's he giving to his father? Must be he's giving to him something that he can do with it now. So, therefore, it says Abai as follows. Although, rather, obviously, that the, why is the son writing over all his properties to his father? Must be because he has his own sons. And the reason why he's writing over his properties to his father is obviously because he's coming to chase away his Yerusha, his inheritance from his own sons. In other words, he wants that when he dies, that his children should not inherit him, but rather his father. Therefore, explains Abaya, why does the Mishnah say it only the father writing to his son, not the son writing to his father? You originally wanted to say, oh, because he writes, son to the father, oh, that would prove your point, Rabbi Yimbarabah. That's why it doesn't say it like that. And so, what, so what's the difference, father to the son? Oh, because father to the son, anyways, he would inherit it, so what's he doing it for? Must be he's giving it more than the usual. That's the Abaya, but that logic could go the reverse too. What I mean, a father would inherit a son too. Why is he giving it, writing it to his father? Must be he has another motive over here by writing over to his father. Not just to inherit, because anyways he would inherit. Must be because he actually wants to make sure his father inherits it. Why else wouldn't he inherit it? Because there are other inheritors. Who's the other inheritors? The, the son's own sons. Now, so therefore says Abaya, had we said the son writing to the father that case, you would have said, that the reason why the Lekech acquires it in such a case, when he purchased from the father, even that the father died before the son died, is because the Kinyi Paris that the son has is not Kikina Guftami. And therefore, when the father sold it, he was selling his own thing. So therefore, says Abaya, so when the, someone writes over his properties to his son, most definitely would be talking about that there are other sons besides this son. So why is he writing over to the son? He's coming to just make sure that the other brothers of this father doesn't go ahead and get any of that Yerusha. That's why he's writing it specifically to this son. And therefore, from the fact that the Mishnah in Baba Basa tells us that Lekech does acquire it, obviously you could infer that Kenya Paris is Lav Kikinya Govdami. Actually, it sounds yes like Rabbi and Rabbi Rab, but not like the way you're trying to answer for Shmuel that it's not comparable. It seemingly is the same thing. Because it cannot be like you're trying to say, that, oh, anyways, he would have it. But the reverse would be the same thing. Also, the other way, also, anyways, the father would have it. Must be that it's coming to tell us he wants to make sure that he is only for the father and not for his own sons. And then you can say the same thing with the son. It's only that I want him to get it, not the other ones. And therefore, if it's only regarding Yerusha, and he's only getting it, so then how do we say his sale is valid right now? Must be, because yes, although he gets the Kenya Guf right now, and the father's holding on to the Kenya Paris, and actually, the whole Kenya Paris, must be the Kenya Paris of the father, is Lafka Kenya Guf Dami. And if that's the case, so we're back to the question. So then why is 
the halacha of Rabbi Yimri Abba not comparable to the halacha of this Mishnah of Basa, seemingly it's the same thing. You have both of them saying this halacha qualification, and not as the exception to the rule, as Abai just proved, that Kenya Paris is not like Kenya Gov. So her husband, Rabbi Yimri Rabbi Abba, who had only the Kenya Paris, it's not like Kenya Gov. So she had the ownership to the properties, and even though she died when her husband was still alive, that sale, that gift to her son, Rav Shmuel, should be a valid gifting. Why is it Rabbi Yimri is incorrect from proving it from this Mishnah Baba Basa. As Rather explains Abaya, it's for a different reason. Mishum Takanas Usha. It's because of the institution of the Chacham and the, the Sanhedrin that were in Usha. There were many different stations that they went to after they left the Beis Amigdash, which one of them was in Usha, that they made the following Takana. The Amr Yusuf Rechanina says, Usha Hiskino. In Usha they instituted that although in general Kenyan Paris is Lavka Kinyagov Damiyet, which we said is evident from the Mishnah Baba Basra, which therefore that seemingly was a proof yes to Bhima But a husband in the properties of his wife, the Rabbanan strengthened that Shibud, those rights that he has because of enmity, because of hatred, meaning because if he doesn't get to use her properties, and here he is, he's supporting her, everything he has to work overtime for her needs, and the, the properties that he has, she, he doesn't get. The rabbis made it so strong, his rights in her property, that it's like they consider him as if he was a consumer, as if he boarded already from her. So therefore they institute if a woman sells from her when she's married to her and her husband's alive and she dies the husband could remove it from the hands of the consumers because we consider him like the Kreishan I bought it first what you bought it? what do you mean you bought it? your wife owned it you just got a chance to use it no 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 the Chacham made him like a Lekech as if he bought it now the halacha is that when there's a property at dispute, if there's a first consumer and a second consumer and there's only opportunity for one of them, the first lekeach gets it. So therefore, that's, the, that's what Abaya answers why Shmuel, why Rabbi Huda was saying in the name of Shmuel that Rabbi Rabbi's Rai is incorrect. It does not go to Rabbi Shmuel Baraba. It goes to the husband Baraba. Why? We said Kenya Paris is love Kenya Gov Dami, like we see in the Mishnah Baba Basra. We see that when the father gives it over to the son, although he holds on to the Kenyan Paris, the son's sale, even if he dies before the father dies, is a valid sale. Because the father's Kenya Paris is not like Kenya Gov, the, the son has the property. And that says Abaya, you're right. A Rabbinian Rabbi was correct in that, but there's one point that he missed. It's called Takanas Usha. Takanas Usha said that the husband is not just having Kenya Paris. Because you're right, that's like, not like Kenya Gov. He's actually like a consumer, like he bought it from the wife. If he bought it from the wife, although during the marriage, the wife has the principal and the husband only has the pairs, when she passes away, his purchase, meaning when he married her, which is like Lekech, was before whoever during his marriage the wife had sold it to, and therefore when she passed away, he's going to be able to take it away from those other Lekuches. And that is why, in this case, they paskin, the name of Shmuel, that Yemir Rabba was incorrect, Rav Shmuel Rabba does not get it, rather the husband Rabba gets it. Reason being is because, even though again, Kenya Paris was love Kenya Guv, but he was the first Lekech. Her son was the second Lekech. She gave it to him after he had already bought it, and therefore goes to Rabba and not Rav Shmuel Rabba.